It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Now that the city has adopted the Centers for Disease Control new community guidelines, Sitka's coronavirus risk level has dropped from high to medium for the first time in months. That means the community's mask mandate has expired. And as of March 1st, masks are optional in the Sitka School District. The new risk levels are heavily tied to hospitalizations. Sitka has had very low hospitalizations, but the case count is still slightly too high to shift the community into a low risk level. Adjusted for Sitka's population, we'll have to see 17 or fewer cases in a week to downgrade the local risk level to low. But the mask mandate is only in effect when the community's risk level is high, so a shift down to medium is enough to make the mandate go dormant. The mask mandate sunsets on March 22nd. If Sitka's risk level increases before then, it will go back into effect. A Sitka-based saner has been ordered to pay over $24,000 in fines and restitution and forfeit his permit for a year after pleading guilty to illegally fishing three years ago. Alaska wildlife troopers report that 41-year-old Jasper Albrecht entered an agreement with the Office of Special Prosecutions to plead guilty to a pair of misdemeanor counts of commercial fishing in closed waters. Albrecht was fined $30,000 with $20,000 suspended in order to pay restitution of $14,700. He'll serve two years on probation and his SANE permit will be suspended for one year. According to Trooper Dispatch records, Albrecht in 2019 illegally seined in Black Bay on Chichagoff Island within 500 yards of a salmon stream and subsequently failed to report the catch on his fish ticket. After an investigation, troopers charged Albrecht in 2021. All charges other than the two misdemeanor counts were dismissed. Albrecht operates the 58-foot El Dorado. In addition to commercial salmon seining, Albrecht holds permit for black cod and the row on kelp fishery. The Sitka School District transitioned to a masks-optional policy on Tuesday in lockstep with the city's drop to medium alert under new CDC guidelines. Sitka was by no means alone in making the change. In Wrangell, the schools there are moving to an optional masking on Wednesday, March 2nd, after the school board approved an updated mitigation plan for the district. But as KSTK's Sage Smiley reports, optional masking in Wrangell comes with some caveats. With an isolated community, low case counts, and the public school district's COVID plan, Wrangell students have been able to attend school in person for most of the pandemic. But that's been with masks on, as face coverings were integral to the district's COVID strategy. That changes March 2nd, when masks become optional for Wrangell students for the first time since the start of the pandemic. Wrangell School Board voted unanimously Monday evening to accept changes proposed by Wrangell Superintendent Bill Burr. Burr explained masks won't necessarily be optional all the time. The district has to be meeting at least one of three conditions. Cases are low, vaccinations are high, or there's a random COVID-19 testing program in place. Wrangell currently meets one of those three. Cases are low, with one reported case in the last week. The CDC's new three-tier system showed Wrangell at a high-risk level as of Tuesday afternoon, but that's because one case is enough to push Wrangell from low to high under the CDC system. And Burr says the district hopes to stand up a random testing program next week. This would require parents to um, agree, but this is a huge plus that will allow us to see if the plan is working. So having optional masking and having random once a week, a percentage, a small percentage of the just randomly asymptomatic uh, testing, we are capable of doing that. 
and just for a short period of time so that we can make sure that we're, we don't have an outbreak brewing. It would allow us to get real data and see how optional masking would go. Another qualification is if the vaccination rate at school and in the Wrangell community is above 70% of eligible individuals or in the top 35% of the state. Right now, Burr says that's not the case. We have a little ways to go on that one, but we, we do have that ability, uh, especially in our younger grades, if people choose to vaccinate and we hope that that vaccination rate uh, increases, and that is part of the mitigation plan, is the encouragement of following the, the guidance there. Right now, just shy of 65% of eligible Wrangell residents are fully vaccinated. About 130 more Wrangellites would need to get the shot to hit that 70% threshold. The updated plan also leaves room for requiring masking, even when case counts are low, to quell possible outbreaks in schools. Wrangell's private school bus service announced on social media Monday evening that masks are no longer required on school buses. That's after the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention loosened its requirements for transit last week. Optional masking saw wide support from students and community members. Wrangell's teachers' union wrote to the board expressing no preference on the mask policy. The union says the teacher's highest priority is keeping schools open and in person. Wrangell's school board approved the changes unanimously. In Wrangell... I'm Sage Smiley. Sitka High's drama, debate, and forensics team won its sixth straight state championship in Anchorage in February. Sitka has long dominated the ranks of DDF teams in the small schools division, both in the region and the state. But this year, not even Alaska's largest schools came anywhere close to Sitka's overall point score. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. Even if you're not a baseball fan, you know what someone means when they talk reverently about the New York Yankees a sports dynasty that, even though they could be beaten on any given day, consistently won World Series titles. Sitka High DDF is a little bit like that. So I feel like we have had a really good foundation to maintain and build from every year, which has been really helpful for our program. Amy Ainsley is co-coach of Sitka High DDF. She's been with the team for about four years with fellow coach Christian Litton, who took over the team two years prior to that. Not surprisingly, both are alumni of the Sitka DDF program themselves. Ainsley says there's something about the size of the schools in Southeast and a relative dearth of many other activities in winter that tends to funnel some of the best students into DDF. The region has been competitive at the state level for over two decades. In Sitka and across Southeast, there's strong community awareness and support for DDF. People know what DDF is. They hear about it on their local media. They hear about it from, you know, students that they know and family members. And, you know, people are really excited to support those programs. And it doesn't hurt that Sitka starts them young. Students learn how to spar debate in their seventh grade English classes and get to watch the high school team practice. Senior Darby Osborne never doubted that she would be in DDF. So I kind of, growing up, had that view of like, oh, this is the debate team, this is what they do. And then freshman year, I just kind of knew it was the activity that I'd be going into just because I was always a fan of public speaking. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to learn how to construct arguments. And it just seemed like a really great activity to kind of, you know, expand my horizons, learn about public speaking and presentation. And kind of right off the bat, I fell in love with it. So I stuck with it. DDF has 12 speaking events, including debate, all of which develop a student's ability to hold an audience's attention, 
whether it's humorous interpretation or extemporaneous speaking. The season runs from September through February, so team members have time to bring their pieces up to competition readiness. But Sitka DDF also benefits from feeder programs like the Sitka Fine Arts Camp and Young Performers Theater. Osborne says Sitka DDF capitalized on talent developed outside the program. This year, we had someone who had a background in acting, joined the team for their first time as a senior, ended up taking home a a first place and a third place at state. Osborne took first place in informative speaking at the state tournament and was sixth-ranked speaker in debate. Coach Christian Litton says that Osborne has earned an exceptional reputation for being a courteous and kind competitor in debate, an event that often favors a more aggressive tone. For walking that line especially well, Litton says Osborne earned DDF Student of the Year at state. As we were getting closer and closer to the state tournament, we were even getting kind of uh, badgered by the other Southeast coaches, you know, telling us, you're going to nominate Darby, right? Because if you're not, I'm going to. And Litton, for his part, was honored as Alaska DDF Coach of the Year. Although his team was the Division I small schools champion, the next closest competitor, even among Division II large schools, was 53 points behind Sitka. Said Litton, we solidified ourselves as the best DDF program in the entire state. Amy and I couldn't be more proud of this amazing group of young people. Reporting in Sitka with help from Aaron Fulton, I'm Robert Woolsey. You can find the complete 2022 Alaska State DDF Tournament results for Sitka with this story on our website, kcaw.org. Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson agreed in December to be the headliner at the Alaska Bar Association's annual convention. That was before her nomination to the U.S. Supreme Court. So as of right now, we're still very hopeful that she'll be able to speak um, and be our keynote speaker. However, we understand that her schedule may have changed quite a bit. That's Danielle Bailey, executive director of the Lawyers Organization. Bailey says the Bar Association is happy to find a way to make it work. Before the nomination, Bailey says the association had suggested a few topics for Jackson to speak about. Her journey is both a mother and a judge. She also just has incredible experience, particularly with the sentencing commission that she was involved with. But I'm sure now we would love to hear about her evolution to potentially being uh, the first black woman justice of the Supreme Court. If Jackson gets through the Senate confirmation process, she'll be a full member of the Supreme Court by the time the Bar Association convention begins in Anchorage on October 26th. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. (music) 